Hello and welcome to Vegas Odds Football. I'm your host, Daniel Ocho. In this episode, we are going to be breaking down super wildcard weekend. Uh, I apologize for my voice. Once again, I am sick somehow still, but here I am giving you guys winners, giving you guys some big picks, some major picks for, to my mind, the most exciting weekend of football of the NFL. Uh, let's jump into our picks for super wildcard weekend. Here we go. We begin, as always, with a brief recap of the past week. This past week, I was 2-1, and one, kind of 2-2 two and two on our picks for the week. I gave you guys my major big-time pick of the week, uh, four-play, four-unit play, whatever you want to call it. I gave you guys the Rams plus 6.5. Looked like the Rams may actually pull that one out money line in that game. Uh, I, I just knew. I had such a feeling the Rams played the Seahawks team so tough a few weeks ago. Uh, and Sean McVay's defense, especially this defense, was not willing to go down without a fight. Truly an impressive performance by Jalen Ramsey and all those guys on the Rams defense, a team that has been out of it for weeks now. Uh, they showed up the final week of the season to give us an exciting final game in that four o'clock window. Uh, next up, I gave you guys the Steelers minus three. Told you to stay away at three and a half uh, over the Browns. Turns out it didn't matter three and a half, six and a half, nine and a half, whatever you gave them. The Steelers just beat up on a Browns team, a Browns team that will be paying Deshaun Watson $55 million next year. I am very gleeful about this fact because the Browns as a franchise tied their future to a quarterback with multiple alleged uh, sexual misconduct allegations. Emphasis on the alleged there. Everyone should be rooting against the Browns. They're, they're a bad franchise who tied their their future to a bad guy uh, and the Steelers put a hurting on them my Steelers did not ultimately make the playoffs due to uh, a myriad of factors most notably the Jets being unable to pull that one out against Skylar Thompson and the uh, Miami Dolphins uh, the Jets played that game really tough I made my pick for them last week before I knew that Joe Flacco was starting uh, the, the hard part about making these picks sometimes early in the week is that things change especially in the final week of the season when uh, we have quarterbacks who are being switched out last second guys who are the presumed starters getting benched for for no reason. Uh, we had Sam Howell starting for Washington this past week. I don't know. I couldn't have projected that in a million years. Uh, and the Jets ultimately run Joe Flacco out there. They, they were going to cover uh, a three-and-a-half line. I want to put that out there. I was on the Jets at three-and-a-half. End up instead giving us one of the worst beats of the entire NFL season. For those of you who weren't tracking this bet, uh, like myself, like a maniac, through the end of the game, Jets are tied up, a minute left in the game. Now the Dolphins go down, they, they kick a field goal to go ahead uh, with 18 seconds left. The Jets obviously at that point with 18 seconds left are covering the three and a half point line. Jets get the ball. They throw a pass down the field, not completed down the field to Garrett Wilson from Joe Flacco. Final play of the game, they decide to do schoolyard BS. They start uh, tossing the ball back and forth, lateraling all across the field. The end result of that final play is that the Jets throw the ball out of the back of the end zone, resulting in a safety. Time is, is off the clock. The game is over. Uh, the, the referee throws up the safety signal. CBS shows 9-6 to six as the final score. I am like, oh my God, I can't believe I escaped that. Only to then have two minutes later, the official score change to Dolphins 11, Jets 6. One of the worst beats I've ever seen. Uh, one of the worst beats I've ever been on the side of. Uh, truly a heartbreaking loss. But we are onward and upward. 
The last pick I gave you guys last week was the Bears money line. The Bears lost the game on purpose. They benched Justin Fields. Um, they played Nathan Peterman. When Nathan Peterman was playing too well, a sentence that I never thought I would say unironically, uh, he ends up getting benched for their third string quarterback, whose name is escaping me right now because who cares? And then Peterman comes back in the game. I don't know what the Bears were doing. They get boat raced by the Vikings, a Vikings team that isn't very good even. Uh, and ultimately, that, that game is sort of a null and void. If you were like me, if you looked at what the Bears were doing roster-wise, everything they did this week essentially gave you the idea, the, the mindset that they were not going to ultimately play to win this game. And they did not. So I stayed away from them on Sunday, uh, despite giving them out earlier in the week. And I'm hoping that you, that you were like myself. Wrapping things up, overall, a pretty fun, pretty strong regular season, to my mind. A couple of years ago, I remember there was a lot of negativity about football, about commercials, about uh, the watchability of the sport. Uh, and the last, I would say, two or three years have ended up being very fun. This was a fun year, despite the fact that scoring was down across the league. We really saw the long tail ramifications of this shell too high defensive coverage uh, containing many of the better big armed quarterbacks, many of the big plays that have really made the sport so exciting over the past several years. Uh, despite that, despite scoring being down every week, I've been telling you guys, the overrunner in this game is only at 40. It's only at 39. Uh, every week, I, I've been shell-shocked by just how low a lot of these overrunners are. We've still had some exciting uh, competitive games, and now, uh, as a result of all these tight competitive games, we have a really loaded playoff slate. To my mind, wildcard weekend is the best weekend of the sport, the most exciting weekend of the NFL, because we get six games of the very best teams. Obviously, the the buy teams, the one seeds are not there. Uh, they join us the following week in the divisional round after enjoying their buy. But here we get a full slate of, of close competitive games. I know some of the projections this week, some of the lines don't maybe project to be close competitive games, but still it should be an exciting enthralling weekend of football from Saturday early afternoon through Monday night football. I think the Monday night football is a bit of an abomination, but whatever. I'm just excited to have one more day of football to look forward to. So without further ado, let's jump into our super wildcard weekend picks for the NFL. And we jump into our super wildcard picks. We begin with the first game on the slate, 4.35 p.m. on Saturday. The seven-seed Seattle Seahawks travel to uh, two-seed San Francisco 49ers. The Niners are 10-point favorites, open as 10-point favorites, over-under in this game, set at a low 43. Uh, the Niners beat this team twice. They, they took care of business against the Seahawks, most recently winning 21-13 to uh, with Brock Purdy at quarterback, and I think it was only his second game at quarterback. They were generally in control of that game from the jump. They went up 21-3. to uh, I watched a lot of this game for some reason. I'm just a Geno Smith sycophant, I guess. Uh, I love the guy, and uh, the Seahawks themselves end up making this game rather competitive at the end, uh, despite the, the Niners basically dominating from the jump. My main question in projecting this game and looking at this, this game on the slate is how in good conscience could I or anyone really bet on a third string quarterback in the first round of, of the NFL playoffs uh, in the early game, the sloppiest game. We, we always know this is the, the shakies game. If anyone listens to the Bill Simmons podcast or is or once was a listener there, the shakies game is where he and his fantasy football league go to this uh weird, disgusting pizzeria in, in the Los Angeles area, uh, and they they enjoy the Shakey's game, which is typically an AFC South matchup with some of the worst teams or one of the some of the worst quarterbacks playing in primetime, getting their moment. 
Uh, this is the game that we would typically have uh, Mitch Trubisky or the Bears here. Just bad teams usually playing in this early Saturday game because nobody's watching it. Everyone's at birthday parties. They're, at, uh, they're enjoying their personal lives. And now we get the Seahawks, a divisional matchup, uh, and the Niners, Geno Smith versus Brock Purdy. My question is really, how can you bet on a third-string quarterback giving up 10 points in the playoffs? I know Brock Purdy's played impressively. I know he's done really, really well. Uh, he was Mr. Irrelevant, but has, despite that, led his team to a 5-0 and record as a starter. Uh, some guys on his own roster were hyping him up as potentially being Offensive Rookie of the Year because he just stepped in immediately and really elevated this team. He's playing better than Jimmy Garoppolo was. He's playing better than Trey Lance was. Uh, and obviously, Trey Lance really didn't get much playing time to, to establish himself. But Purdy has been impressive from the moment he stepped on the field and taken command of this Niners offense. Now, let's not deny that the circumstances of what Brock Purdy stepped into were pretty freaking good. He, he gets Christian McCaffrey. He gets one of the most innovative offensive minds at head coach, uh, at play caller. And this running offense is just destroying teams. They have Elijah Mitchell, a guy who is just a problem last year. He's essentially their change of pace back now because Christian McCaffrey uh, sometimes gets tired from catching the ball and running over a million guys and slipping through screens and doing all sorts of crazy things. Uh, Brandon Ayuk has been a just stud, a revelation for this San Francisco 49ers team. Kyle Shanahan attempted to bury him last year uh, despite a an impressive rookie campaign. Uh, now in his third year, it feels like uh, this guy has stepped into a role of a true X, true number one receiver with Debo Samuel missing time. It's almost shocking to me. I mean, I, I don't even know how to really articulate it, just how shocking it is that the San Francisco 49ers have lost their number one quarterback, their number two quarterback, their number one receiver, uh, at one point their number one running back until Mitchell came back here, uh, and have, haven't really missed a beat. I know that that having handled their business the way they have over the last month, people are really keen to, to see them destroy the Seahawks here, especially a Seahawks team that looked really rough against a Rams team that everyone thought was going to quit. Uh, not us, though. Not us. As we talked about last week, the, the Rams had some chutzpah left for the Seahawks defense or, and, and offense. The question on everyone's minds in Seattle and, and around the league is, can Gino keep that magic alive? He's looked spotty at times over the past several weeks. Uh, he has not looked to be the same guy who's made those unbelievable arm talent throws throughout the year. Even last week, we saw him throw a bad pick first play of the game. Uh, and then another dropped interception and another terrible interception later in the game to, to Jalen Ramsey. Uh, and then in between those, we saw him make one of those one percenter, one of those truly elite throws to Tyler Lockett for a long touchdown. So Geno giveth, Geno taketh away. Uh, now he has to play the number two seed San Francisco 49ers, a team that is fresh off essentially throttling every team in their way for the past five or six weeks. Uh, a, a team that is as hot as hot gets. Uh, and now, you're expecting me to bet on Geno Smith, a guy who almost got embarrassed by the Rams in, in a must-win game? The answer is yes. I love the Seahawks here. I love the Seahawks plus 10. Uh, I'm going to probably sprinkle something on the Seahawks to win this game outright. Because think about it. I understand the Niners are really good, right? They're, they're a dominant roster. They have a great head coach. But we're still betting on Mr. Irrelevant, uh, the last pick in the NFL draft, a seventh-round quarterback. We're still betting on him to cover a 10-point spread. In the NFL playoffs, this is not just some nothing time. I know that Kyle Shanahan takes care of Pete Carroll. Uh, Pete Carroll really struggles against the Niners team since uh, Shanahan took over. I don't care. It, it doesn't matter to me because I cannot in good conscience bet on a backup to a backup quarterback uh, on a 10-point line 
in the first round of the NFL playoffs. So I love the Seahawks here, plus 10. I'm probably going to bet on DK Metcalf anytime touchdown scorer. That guy, he hasn't touched pay dirt in a little while, and he is due. Uh, he's one of those guys who is always going to get those opportunities every week. He gets a lot of high leverage, important targets, especially around the red zone. Uh, I know the Niners defense is pretty dominant. Uh, I believe DK scored the last time they played. I'll have to confirm that, but it doesn't really matter. This this guy is due for his red zone opportunities. Red zone targets are one of those things that are typically transferable week to week, so you can bank on those, uh, and, and I love those as a projection for this week. So give me the Seahawks here, plus 10. Love the Seahawks on the road. I cannot bet on Brock Purdy. Uh, that may bite me. I, I may regret this, but going into this week, I'm not hopping on the public line. I'm not, I'm not buying into the Niners narrative, uh, and, and I ju- just do not want to fade Geno. I want the magic to continue. I want Geno. I want anytime touchdown score with DK Metcalf. Give me the Seahawks plus 10 here. Next up, our final Saturday game, the Los Angeles Chargers at the four seed Jacksonville Jaguars. This game is a little bit weird um, because we see a Jags team hosting a Chargers team that they throttled earlier in the year uh, before the Jaguars had really put it all together. Uh, After that dominant victory over the Chargers, we saw this Jaguars team struggle mightily. They were so up and down this year. Nobody really knows what to make of them. I've said to you guys uh, throughout this year that whenever you think you know what's going on with the Jaguars, that's when the the time to to change your opinion is. Because uh, from one week, they are unstoppable offensively. They looked like a dominant force. Uh, The next week, they completely lay an egg. And this past week, they really, really struggled against a Titans team that was playing with their second string, third string, off the practice squad quarterback in Josh Dobbs. Uh, they almost lost that game. If their defense doesn't come through and completely change the, the the face of that game by scoring defensively at the end, uh, they probably don't pull that one out. Trevor Lawrence looked overmatched at times at the end of that game. If anyone has been following this team, you know that as soon as you're writing them off, as soon as you're saying, oh, well, maybe their offense isn't as good as I thought it was, that's when they show out. So now they play host to uh, the Los Angeles Chargers one of the weirdest teams I've ever projected, I've, I've ever looked at over the course of a full year. So much talent. Obviously, they have the stars and studs approach. Anyone who's been listening since the offseason will know that I was so high on this Chargers team. Uh, I talked with NFL Mike about this this team way in the beginning of this podcast. Uh, I've always been a big Justin Herbert guy. I was a big Staley guy when he first got hired. Um, but as time has gone on, I've really come around to the idea that maybe Staley doesn't know what he's doing. And that notion was further underlined by just a bizarre, bizarre sequence this past week when Brandon Staley played his starters in a meaningless game against the Broncos well into the fourth quarter. Uh, Mike Williams ends up getting hurt. Uh, At one point, Austin Eckler limped off the field. Uh, Josh Palmer was was coming up lame at various points. I don't really understand what Staley's point was. At one point, I heard him mention the idea of momentum, keeping the momentum going for this Chargers team, uh, especially considering how many of their guys have missed time due to injury. So a guy like Keenan Allen, who's missed so much time early in the year, he wanted to see him hit pay dirt, see him play in some of these high leverage situations and keep that rolling into the playoffs. They're one of the most injured teams in the NFL this year, and now they're risking further injury ahead of a playoff matchup where they can't improve their seed anymore. Not sure what the point of that was. I have to wonder what goes on within that Los Angeles Chargers locker room. I don't say that lightly. I, I think back a lot to an interview I heard before the NFL season with Austin Eckler uh, with the Fantasy Footballers podcast. Uh, that's a pretty light show that focuses primarily on fantasy football, obviously, but there was something said within that interview that stuck with me. When asked about the team going forward on fourth down in situations where they could punt or they could kick the field goal, Austin Eckler 
gave an answer that was essentially like, I'm always back and coach in those positions because I trust him, uh, but not everyone loves that. And that stuck with me because I always kind of overlooked the notion that maybe some of these analytics-driven coaches, uh, these guys who are constantly making those, oh, we're going to go for it, we're going to go for it, decisions, if those decisions aren't going well, aren't always working out for you, they have to deal with that in the locker room, that there are guys who start to have that doubt creep in. And once you have that doubt creep in, I'm not sure you can really recover that as a coach. I know the Chargers have been really hot over the past six weeks or something, but when you do weird stuff like Staley did this week, keeping those guys in the game well past their their due date, they didn't have to stay in that game. They could have taken them out after they scored a touchdown on their second drive, kept that momentum rolling, and then hang out on the bench until you have your game next week. Uh, when you continue to make these questionable decisions, uh, I wonder whether Staley actually has control of that locker room. With all that said, it's difficult for me not to look at this lineup, the Chargers have put together, the stars they have, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, um, and obviously Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, and not think they have all the talent to go on a run here. So when I look at this line, uh, the Chargers are one-point favorites on the road at Jacksonville. The over-under in this game set at 47.5. I struggle to think that the Chargers are going to win this game. And the reason for that, primarily, is aside from the fact that Jags completely destroyed this team earlier in the year, is that the Chargers don't have the feel of a deep playoff run team. For all the reasons I've said before, primarily, they just have a sort of stink to them. All year they've had the stink to them. They let you down whenever you start to buy into them. Whenever you think maybe they're at that level of competition as some of these other teams, that's when the Chargers really lay an egg. This is one of those spots. They should take care of a Jaguars team that is kind of lucky to be here, that basically lucked out by the rest of their division laying an egg for the second half of the year. Jaguars end up winning that division, getting to host a playoff game. Definitely, most people would say, the worst playoff team here. Last time these teams played, though, the Jaguars defensively completely dominated a Chargers team that was pretty banged up. Now, the Chargers should have their guys back here, but my lock of the week is going to be the Jaguars plus one. I love the Jaguars. I'm going to bet the farm on this team. The Jaguars are one of those classic, they don't belong here teams. They have nothing to lose. They're going to go balls to the wall, everything they have. Trevor Lawrence is playing as good as he's played, despite a brutal second half last week where he went like four of, of 20. As I said before, the moment you start to fade the Jags is when I want to jump on them. I want to jump on them. I'm going to love this team in a teaser. I'm probably going to end up teasing the Jaguars plus seven with the Seahawks plus 10. Uh, so I can get that up to 17. Jaguars plus seven, Seahawks plus 17. But I'm also going to jump on the Jaguars money line. Jaguars plus one. Going to be my absolute lock of the week. Moving on, let's talk about the Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. Dolphins. It was a good run. You guys kept my Steelers out of the playoffs, winning a tight game with Skylar Thompson. Does not look like Tua is going to be back in this game. The line opened at Bills minus 11, over-under in this game at 43.5. I saw some unfortunate news today that Tua was dealing with memory problems at the end of that Green Bay game uh, where he was ultimately diagnosed with his third concussion of the season. And I can't help but think that it would be a long shot for Tua to come back in this game. Uh, obviously, Vegas agrees with me because the line here is Bills minus 11. If Tua was coming back, I'd, we'd probably see that line closer to 7 or, or 8. But at 11, this game's a stay away for me. There's just no way I can trust the Dolphins, no matter how many points they're getting, if Skylar Thompson is a quarterback. And by the same token, this Bills team, despite all the positive vibes around them uh, in the wake of the Hamlin situation, despite all the excitement, the, the thrills of watching Josh Allen and this team take the top off the defense, 
they have some very real flaws. Most notably, since Josh Allen hurt his elbow weeks ago, the injury that at one point people were worried might take him out for the rest of the season, he has not been the same guy. In this most recent game against the Patriots, a must-win game, a game where they still needed to win to lock up that two-seed, we still saw Josh Allen uh, on one drive overthrow his receivers twice, completely airmail throws in the end zone, throws that he would otherwise make 100% of the time. Then he gets hit on third down, ends up throwing a duck for an interception, and these are just the plays that he was not making the last couple of years when he elevated his game from that sort of turnover-prone unique player to a true superstar. He's regressed in a way to the player he was a few years ago, who honestly is still pretty damn good, but he's not at the elite level of play where he's without mistakes, where he's not turning the ball over in the red zone, where he's completely uh, covering up the patchwork issues uh, within his game, the way he was the last couple of years. I attribute that to the elbow injury that we probably will find out was a bigger deal uh, than we know it is now uh, after season's end when he probably has surgery on that thing. But for now, I'm struggling to trust the Bills on a double-digit line. Uh, I'm struggling to bet the Bills at home, even with the 11-point spread. This feels like a stay-away game. This should be the Shakey's game. It's 1 o'clock on Sunday, but this should be playing on Saturday. Nobody should watch this. It's not going to be a very fun game. I guess if I had to give a play here, it would be the Bills minus 11, but I don't love either line here. Next up, let's talk briefly about our coverage king of the week. Hey, yo, lesson here, babe. You come at the king, you best not miss. Our coverage king of the week this week is Brian Dable. And the reason that he's the coverage king in week 18 is pretty simple. He threw out a bunch of third stringers against the Philadelphia Eagles and somehow almost won the game and kept in that game way longer than he had any business staying in that game. The Eagles were playing their starters. The number one seed Philadelphia Eagles were playing their starters at the end of that game because they needed it to secure the one seed. And Ryan Dable's team just would not go away. Truly one of the more impressive coaching jobs I've seen all year. His guys were playing hard for him. They were not rolling over. Uh, <laughs> He had Davis Webb or David Webb, whatever the guy's name is, the third string quarterback for the New York Giants starting that game. Uh, and they almost won it. It's truly very impressive coaching job by Brian Dable, a true football guy. The guy just looks like a football guy. He looks sloppy. He looks like crap at this point in the year. Uh, his physical appearance is that of a guy who just smells like meat and cheese. And that's the kind of football guy I want as my head coach. That's what I need. That's what I live for. The Giants now go on the road at Minnesota, 440 p.m., on Sunday, uh, the Vikings are three-point favorites over under in this game set at 48. Every year, we have a team entering the playoffs that we think we know everything about. Uh, we think we know their weaknesses. We think we can project them. We think we know where it's all going to shake out. Last year, it was the Cincinnati Bengals. Many people, myself included, didn't think the Bengals got out of the first round. They, we thought they would lose in all likelihood to the Raiders, a team that had a good argument for being better than them. The Bengals really struggled last year to consistently control the game. They uh, couldn't run the ball consistently. Their defense was okay. It was not super impressive. It was, it was improved, obviously, but it wasn't amazing. And then we get to the playoffs. Bengals eke out a last-second victory against the Raiders. They go on the road then to the number one seed, Tennessee Titans. And once again, they eke out a last-second victory, pick off Ryan Tannehill at the end of that game, kick a field goal, win, the, win it again. Then they go to Kansas City, win another game on the road to keep that streak alive and end up going to the Super Bowl. A true miraculous run. Uh, one of the funner runs we've seen since this new playoff format took place. But every year you look back, there is a team that just surprises us. 
and a team that we are completely underwriting going into the playoffs. I remember always the Indianapolis Colts, the year that they won with Peyton Manning. They were the worst run defense in the entire NFL, and they played the Kansas City Chiefs. And everyone, myself included, thought, wow, they're going to get run all over. And somehow something changed, something flipped in that Colts defense, and they turned into one of the better defenses in the entire league over that run to the Super Bowl. They were locking teams down on the ground. They completely shut down Jamal Charles or whoever it was at running back for the Chiefs at the time, and they end up going on a miraculous run to the Super Bowl. This year's team, for me, is the Minnesota Vikings. I have written off the Vikings about six times. Uh, Vegas has written off the Vikings about seven times. Uh, The Vikings, as I said before, are three-point favorites here against a Giants team that doesn't really belong here. I know Dable is uh, a coverage king. I don't want to bet against him, typically. In projecting these playoffs, I love the Vikings to go on a run. I'm going to be sprinkling something on the Vikings to win the NFC, because if you look at their path, they could beat the Giants this week, then beat the San Francisco 49ers, a team that's sporting a seventh-round quarterback as their starter going into possibly divisional weekend, or uh, the Seattle Seahawks. The path for the Vikings to the NFC title game is pretty well lit, and it's not like I really trust anyone in the NFC. I I really don't. I don't trust anyone. I don't view anyone as a true dominant piece within the NFC. So the Vikings feel like as good a team as any to go on a run like that. My reasoning for backing the Vikings is pretty simple. I think that I know what I'm getting in the Vikings. I think that I know uh, Cousins is who Cousins is. He's going to turn into a pumpkin before our eyes. He stinks at any other time other than one o'clock games where nobody's watching. But what if he gets hot? We saw Joe Flacco do that several years ago. He became the best player we've ever seen for a five-week stretch and then led the the Ravens to a Super Bowl. I would not be shocked to see a similar run from Kirk Cousins here. Uh, And and that starts in this game, to me, with uh, Vikings' dominant victory. The Vikings have struggled to close out games to really win by more than one score against subpar competition all year. Even this Giants team really gave them the business earlier in the year. Uh, But this feels like a big win for the Vikings. I'm going to take the the Vikings minus three. I'm going to take them on the alternate line, uh, minus up to six and a half, and and see if I can get a bigger play there. I'm going to take TJ Hawkinson, anytime touchdown scorer. Uh, The Giants have been a little bit susceptible to tight end scorers, two tight ends getting open. Uh, And with guys like Justin Jefferson on the outside, I love TJ Hawkinson, anytime touchdown scorer. I love KJ Osborne, anytime touchdown scorer. Uh, He is one of those winter cold weather all-stars, just really comes alive when there's a little bit of a chill in the air. And those are my plays for the Vikings at the Giants. Give me the Vikings minus three and those prop plays I just gave you. Next up, the Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals. Not a whole lot to say about this game. Unfortunately, the Bengals are six and a half point favorites over under in this game set at 43 and a half. Ravens complete a fun season. Uh, This game is a rematch of last week's matchup with the Bengals and the Ravens. Bengals really were in control of that game from the jump. Uh, End up taking out Burrow at the very end there. Uh, but the Ravens have been sporting a, a third string or a backup quarterback for like a month and a half now. We don't know if Lamar Jackson is going to be back in this game. At this point, it feels like that's not going to happen. Like Lamar's not going to be back. And if Lamar is not back in this game, you have to take the Bengals minus six and a half. Uh, I know the team's just played, uh, but the Bengals are really rolling. They just feel like they're operating on another level offensively at this time of the year. Uh, and the Ravens feel like they've really played over their head for about a month and a half. At some point, something has to give. One of these games is always a blowout, one of the games that we don't really expect, and this feels like a blowout. So give me the Bengals here, minus six and a half. I love the Bengals to put a hurting on the Ravens here. Uh, The over-under in in this game set at 43. 
I kind of lean on the under here. I typically don't love to play these games with a big spread uh, if the over-under is pretty low. I, I don't like to have to be rooting for both, but I might put a little action on the under in this game, 43 and a half. So give me the Bengals here, minus six and a half, and give me the under, 43 and a half. Our final game this week, the Dallas Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a rematch of week one when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely decimated the Cowboys, embarrassed the Cowboys. Dak Prescott could not move the ball down the field. The Cowboys looked completely inept from the jump. Line in this game is Cowboys minus three on the road, over under set at 45 and a half. Now, a couple things about this game. Last time these two teams played, Dallas Cowboys were a completely different offense. They were a completely different team, really. Uh, They were still trying to operate in this pass-first offense, uh, and it certainly wasn't working in week one. Uh, And since then, since Dak's injury and and his return, they seem to have pivoted to this team that really relies on their backs to move the ball downfield to control the clock. It's interesting in projecting these two teams because when when they played last, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were coming off another impressive Tom Brady-led season. They started the season at home, taking care of business defensively against Dak and kind of making a statement on national television that they were a, a team to be messed with, that they were ready to return, ready to go on another run in the playoffs in the regular season. Ultimately, we've seen the fortunes of these two teams sort of swap as the season progressed. Cowboys end up nearly winning the one seed. Uh, they, they were in the running at least t- till the final week of the season. Buccaneers don't break 500 and despite that somehow win their division. One of the uglier Tom Brady seasons of all time. Uh, not a very fun offense to watch. Really a, a struggle at times. And now Cowboys coming off an ugly loss to Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders, a game that they needed to win to to stay in contention for that one seed. They look like one of those teams, again, that that we come into the playoffs thinking we know everything there is to know about them. Uh, The Buccaneers, obviously, have had bad vibes all year. I've said it for months, that when this week comes, when wildcard weekend comes, I am going to love, enjoy, thrive, just absolutely savor, betting big on whoever is playing the Buccaneers. And I haven't changed my mind. The Cowboys looked terrible last week. Uh, Maybe they were looking ahead at the playoffs, whatever it may be. I'm never going to feel super great betting on Dak Prescott in the playoffs because to me, he's kind of a space cadet and he's always going to do some weird stuff. But the Buccaneers are bad. They're not a good team. They're getting a little bit too much respect, even at three-point underdogs at home. They are the worst team in this year's playoffs. They're worse than the Detroit Lions. I I would certainly want to watch the Detroit Lions more uh, in wildcard weekend this week. And the Cowboys are... I think everyone's a little bit gun shy about the Cowboys at this point, and that's why this line's only three. To me, this line is going to climb. I I think it ends up closer to four or four and a half by by game time, but I love the Cowboys minus three here. Bet your bankroll on it. They're going to take care of business against the Bucs. They're a much better team than the Buccaneers, and frankly, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cowboys representing the NFC in the Super Bowl come Super Bowl week because their defense is just that good. I don't love Dak Prescott. I don't love the coaching staff, but they have all the pieces here to go on a run. So give me the Cowboys minus three here. So let's briefly run through my picks for this week. Uh, Number one, my favorite pick of the week is the Jaguars plus one. I love them here. I'm probably going to end up putting them in a teaser, uh, teasing that line up to seven with the Seattle Seahawks uh, up to 17. I also love the Seahawks this week. Uh, They're not one of my favorite plays, but plus 10, they feel like a smaller play, maybe a one or two unit play. Uh, I'm going to give the Jaguars four units. Uh, The Vikings, another big play for me. Love them at minus three. 
anything when it climbs to minus three and a half, I get a little bit scared, but it feels like a strong Vikings week. They're, they're going to turn things around and put a hurting on the Giants. So give me the Vikings minus three. Finally, I love the Cowboys. My second big play of the week, uh, four units on them. They are going to put a hurting on the Buccaneers. I know everyone's a little gun shy after that earlier loss to the Buccaneers week one, but they're out for revenge. They looked like crap last week, and now this is the week they turn things around and put a hurting on the Bucs. So give me the Jaguars plus one, the Seahawks plus 10, the Vikings minus three, and the Cowboys minus three. I will be back next week with more picks. Until then, I'll talk to you guys soon. 